Welcome back, everybody, to the Stuffy Nose podcast. I mean, the Talking Stocks podcast. Uh, my name is Joe, and I'm here with Todd. Todd, I have no idea what's in the air in New England, but it's stuck up my nose, and it's driving me crazy. Listeners, I apologize for my very uh, stuffy tone. I can't help it. <laughs> You're a little nasally there, Joe. It's uh, yeah, it's been a, been a rough few days, but here we are talking stocks never sleeps so (laughs) another episode here we go uh it's gonna be a pretty pretty uh cut and dry episode today we're gonna talk uh at length about the um the various announcements from the federal reserve and then we'll get into a nice hefty smattering of i believe 11 uh top scoring stocks from our research so let's let's dive right in uh we'll start with the Federal Reserve news. And Todd, I'll I'll let you just kind of take this how you want. I think that this is this was in I think we have kind of forecast with the sector research and the things we've been talking about the last few months that you know investors have started to position for a maturing of economic growth, right? And as a result, if the you're maturing and inflation is heating up, then that's likely to prompt the Fed to try and tap the brakes at some point to slow things down and kind of contain inflation. Obviously not there yet, but this week the FOMC, the Federal Open Market Committee got together and I think they gave the most hawkish shift in their in their conversation so far. I mean, they, they absolutely looking at that, coming out of that meeting, thinking to myself, oh, well, you know what? I, I think they could be behind the curve here again. I mean, you know, it's hard to say. You won't know until retrospect. But I mean, historically, Joe, in my experience, you know, the Fed it, it oftentimes is overly optimistic on how long they can wait to raise rates. And as a result, they end up, you know, continually pulling forward their estimate and then they have to get more aggressive. So instead of like, you know, so right now, Joe, they think 2023 would be the first hikes. So two in 2023. Previously, they were, you know, modeling for 2024, right? I think now it could be one of those things where it would not shock me if we end up getting a hike in 2022, especially if inflation continues to run as hot as, as it is right now. Yeah. And what was there? They revised the uh, inflation projection for the year, right? Is it three percent now yeah i think if you're including food and energy which are really volatile and bounce around a lot and you know a lot of people like to say oh x energy and x food well i don't know about you joe but you know i drive my car and i heat my home so you know energy is an expense i have to pay regardless if it's volatile and we all eat food (laughs) (laughs) and and right joe we don't eat grass so that's right yeah, unfortunately, so, you know, I mean, our backyards are only so big. We don't have a we don't have an industrial grade farm in our backyards. So yeah, I would say those things are pretty important. Yeah. So I mean, now they think that you know gross domestic product, which obviously economic activity increases, and you know price of goods increases alongside demand. So they they increase their GDP forecast to seven percent for the year. I think that was up from six and a half. I'm six and a half, here. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, um, I think they took their inflation projection up almost a full percentage point to three percent. So I mean, you know, and that's only since March. So I mean, like the last three months, all of a sudden they're like, "Whoa, wait a minute," you know. And it, it just it would not shock me. I mean, if um, 
like I said, if the Fed, if this is the first of what will be many accelerations in their timeline um, and, and much more of a hawkish, kind of a hawkish approach. And if that's true, if that's the case, then I think that we're gonna see continued movement from investors as they rotate away from, you know, originally we were talking about they were rotating from early cycle to mid business cycle type stocks. So they were embracing some of the, you know, uh, inflation oriented baskets. And then, you know, theoretically now, if it's, if the Fed is behind, if we are going to get more inflationary risk, then I think, you know, the, the market being a leading indicator, uh, you know, discounting mechanism looking ahead six months, 12 months, then we're going to start to see some of these uh, baskets that are inelastic to economic activity, like healthcare and utilities start to climb. I mean, I think one of my biggest takeaways, Joe, coming out of this was that I probably need to get more healthcare stocks in my portfolio. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a wise move, and that's a that's a good a good segue to kind of talk about how how investors, how our viewers and listeners should be um, should be reacting to to the news. I mean, obviously, we you know we say not to not to be very kind of knee jerk reactionary right you don't want to you don't want to be the one who's buying the rumor and selling the news you want to be you want to be more more principled than that but still as you as you said this might be a good time to start to to think about pivoting into into some other some other baskets so what's what's kind of your your high level approach to that todd yeah, I mean, I, so it's, it's funny, we were just having a great Twitter conversation. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at EB Capital for those of you who are listening or Hello. watching. Yeah, we'll link it below in the show notes. And um, we were just having a fascinating discussion about that is, can, you know, can you beat the market? And how, how, how the heck can you beat the market over time? And, you know, I think that you're right. You don't, I, I, you know, in 25 year career doing this full time, I don't, I can't put my finger on somebody who has made it as a day trader or someone who consistently uses margin. So, so I avoid those things, you know? So I think you're, you're better off approaching it as if you're trying to turn a freighter rather than a speedboat, um, in my view. So, I mean, you're making these changes on the margin in your allocation. <clears throat> so Joe, you know, I'm a growth investor, so I'm gonna naturally have a lot of technology stocks in my portfolio. It's just the way it's gonna be. Yep. But on the margin, I can start to embrace some of these other baskets and kind of, um, you know, kind of insulate myself maybe a little bit against the volatility that could be, you know, rising as the market gets a little bit more tough to navigate. So, you know, doing my pivot earlier in the year where I was buying more energy stocks and now talking, as I'm talking to you now, starting to think about, okay, as things rotate out of my portfolio, maybe if I have a watch list that's made up of 50 stocks, maybe I put a little bit more weight on those stocks in that watch list that happen to fall within say the healthcare area rather than the technology area, recognizing that I'm already pretty heavily exposed to technology as it is. So I think the long answer to that, Joe, is just, again, trying to on the margins, get your sector allocation right, right? Look for baskets that are likely to benefit in the coming quarters. Um, and then obviously, you know, have your core portfolio where you're not turning around. Like I was, you know, one stock that we know I've talked about on the show a lot is NVIDIA, uh, yep. NVDA. And we highlighted a couple different times um, in our smatterings. And, you know, just as, a, as an example of, you know, I don't 
if I have a winner and I've entered it right, I will ride that winner. I just joined my 600% club. So I'm now up about 600. Yay. 600. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, on that one particular name. So I'm, and I'm not talking about, you know, press, sell, 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 and just buy, 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 and be chasing your tail around the room. What I'm saying is that on the margins, as you're making changes to the portfolio, do so with a, um, do so being cognizant of where you may be overweighted and underweighted uh, relative to where you think the market may be heading or, or that whole great skating to the puck analogy. Yeah, absolutely. And Side note, for those of you who do own NVIDIA stock, congratulations. It has been one heck of a week. I'm definitely suffering from a bit of FOMO. And personally, I'll have to wait for it to pull back a little bit for, for me to be comfortable kind of en entering in. It's It's been on somewhat of a vertical trajectory this week. Uh, but yeah, fun fun to watch. And I know, I know there are a lot of a lot of happy growth investors out there. So, just to kind of to kind of wrap this up, Todd, um, you know, you and I obviously we've talked about it many times. We have our our forever stocks that we're that we're holding for at at least several years, and so those are those are kind of you know etched in etched in stone, if you will. They're not gonna they're not gonna change anytime soon. So then the the rest of the portfolio is what we're kind of cycling in and out of. And so just to just to give people a, a general idea, what you I believe you said either on Twitter or Discord this week that you had gotten your cash position up to like five-ish percent now. Yeah, I was fully invested up until um, I think last Friday and I started to take some things off and just selectively pruning. Um, some of the things in my portfolio, there were a few stocks that had run up pretty big in a short period of time. I, I pocketed those, uh, trimmed a couple other areas, um, you know, still like the company, but I, I believe that if you've had a big run, you're likely to digest it and pull back. And I'm always looking to try and, you know, manage that on, again, on the edges, not wholesale buying and selling things, but when you see certain opportunities taking advantage of them. And uh, as a result, before the Fed announcement, I got myself up to about 5% cash because there's just enough, uh, there was just enough uncertainty in my, in, from my view to what was going to be said that I felt like it could cause some surprises and some weird action. And sure enough, we did. We got some, we got some weird action. I, had, I didn't spend any of the cash. I decided I was just going to sit on this and let it shake out a little bit. I want to see how this goes. There's a tug of war, it seems like right now, Joe, you've got, you've got on the very first day following, you had this big run up at technology stocks. And to me, that was almost like these highly speculative people saying, oh, they're not going to raise rates until two, that late 2023. There's still plenty of time before they pull the punch bowl. I can go out and get back into my speculative name. So you had that camp. And then you had the other camp of, of people who maybe owned a lot of commodities and energy stocks who said, oh, whoa, no, they are raising rates, you know, in as early as 2023. And I think it could be earlier than that, 2022. So we got to start getting out of some of these mid-cycle inflationary stocks. So they, they sold those off. And then you had the late cycle people going, yeah, if it's really going to slow down, then I got to bid up some of these healthcare stocks. So it was really, it, there's a, it's a very noisy, noisy week right now. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to step back and look at it and from the 10,000 foot view and say, okay, I'm not going to get caught up in the noise. What do I really think is going to happen from here? And I do think that the business cycle trade is intact. 
meaning that we're going to have multiple quarters still of um, greater than expected growth and profitability for things like energy. So I'm not selling my oil stocks yet. I'm going to let this play out a little bit further, see how they, these stocks act in the next couple of weeks. Um, like I said, I do want to try and position a little bit more into healthcare. And of course, like I said, I'm a growth investor. So I do have a lot of technology and a lot of those fall into that forever mindset. So I'm just going to uh, pretty much keep there, but also just be trimming the edges to try and do these other things too. I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb here and guess that your smattering is going to be, is going to have at least a few healthcare stocks in it this week. <laughs> well, you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised actually, because that was my intent. When, when I started looking through all of our best and worst free, free link to a free trial below, uh, when I started looking through our best and worst large, mid and small cap, I was like, oh yeah, I definitely want to make sure that I'm getting some good healthcare ideas uh, to put in there. And what was interesting, Joe, is that healthcare in our sector ranking had been at the bottom for months. And in the large cap, not in mid cap or small cap yet, but large cap is oftentimes tips the hand. You know, because they're liquid, they're institutions, if they start to reallocate, will first go to those liquid large caps. So healthcare now is like one of the top sectors over the course of the last three weeks, it's climbed. Yeah, up. it's been, it's been inching upwards, I've noticed in the, yeah, in the weekly and reports. So, right. And then I was looking through the charts and I'm like, you know, I, you know how much I like big volume and certain setups and everything. And I'm like, I can't find a lot of setups I love enough to talk about in the smattering. But generally, my takeaway after looking at the healthcare was, yeah, they're under accumulation, but I, I couldn't find any that really fit my, um, my specific criteria for highlighting the smattering. So I think, it, I think you know, the, the, for listeners, it's like, okay, you, you, you're saying focus on healthcare, but I don't think you need to like go out tomorrow and buy these things. I think that they're, they're, we will get good setups. So tune in every week. You know, and I, I'm going to try right. and highlight these things for you as they start to come into that that perfect combination of stuff I like to look for. That's right. Like, comment, and subscribe so you don't miss anything. So yeah, you, uh, YouTube viewers, we're gonna we're gonna leave you with a bit of a teaser there, and we'll we'll have the we'll have the smattering in a separate video. Uh, listeners, you're lucky enough that you get this uninterrupted. So what do you say? I say we go into it. Let's do it. Let's, let's do it. We got let's some dive great in. stocks. Yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be a juicy one. So fire yeah. away. All right. So I'm gonna share my screen. The first thing I want to just pull up here is you can see this is the large cap sector report uh, ranking that we put up mid cap and small cap. We do this every week just to get a feel for where we should be focusing generally. REITs, healthcare, energy, and utilities. Pretty defensive, actually, Joe. Um, healthcare has not though moved up in large and small cap yet. So again, just something to keep in mind here as you're positioning for the portfolio for, for the future. So I, I want to start us off with Revolve Group. Joe, RVLV is the symbol listeners. I know it and, says fashion retailer for millennial and Gen Z, which I am, but I have no idea what the hell this is. <laughs> I, I never heard of it really until a couple months ago. And, you know, I think that you know, Joe, maybe after the show is over, you'll be, you'll be, you know, looking for some new clothes on their website. <laughs> but it's I mean, worth we a look. About, you know, we talked a little bit about this in a, a show a couple of weeks ago that, you know, people getting back out and about um, means that they're probably going to have to up their game a little bit when it comes to their clothing choices. 
And um, that's particularly true, of course, for you know millennials and Gen Z who are entering the workforce or or early on in their career and are going to be transitioning from. Um, that's me. Yeah, 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 right, right, right. You know, you'd be transitioning from you know being at home and and zooming into their classes or whatever, or or to work that way back into the office. Um, so you know, I think, and we have, hey, consumer discretionary income is up, and unemployment is low, and wages are heading higher. So people have a little extra money to invest in their wardrobe, and apparently. Um, you know, Revolve Group is one place that a lot of investors think that that spending is going to head. You've got 22% year-over-year revenue growth in the March quarter to $179 million, and an expected 25% increase in earnings per share in, in 2022. If you look at the chart, and I, listeners, I'll do my best to explain it. If you want, you can also go back to YouTube and look, at, look for us on YouTube, Lima at Alpha, Talking Stocks, and you'll be able to look at these charts alongside of us. But Joe, I mean, if you look at this chart, you'll see that the stock is breaking out here to new highs, right? Above 60, just cleared out the prior high of 60.89 at the end of May. Uh, that pullback here was pretty shallow, Joe. So, you know, you got to 60.89 in late May and then you pulled back, but you really only pulled back into the bottom of that, I guess, pivot or ideal area that you'd want to accumulate in, which is around 55, 56 dollars. In the volume, Joe, like I like to see on those pullbacks. Yeah, not a lot of not a lot of sell volume there. Yeah, not a lot of sell volume. And then look at that move yesterday, Joe, on Thursday with that big above average volume uh, update that that really put it out to that new high. And then today is basically, I would have guessed maybe that it had it would be down today, just a little bit more of a test of the top end of that pivot, maybe sixty one. But it's not. It's it's flatlined as of um, twelve forty when we're recording this Eastern Standard Time. So it'll be interesting to see where it closes. But I, I think that this is a stock that I would be focusing my attention on. If you get a two to three percent down day, uh, somewhere into that you know fifty nine to sixty one area, I would take advantage of that. Or if it starts to run away from you, you could also pick it up then. Along the same lines, Joe. And I think maybe we talked about this once before. I think we have. I used to own this stock. Stitch Fix has been a weird, wild one. Yes, it has. You know, I mean, this stock got over $100 back in January when um, the meme crowd got a, got a hold of it and sent it, sent it, quote unquote, to the moon, right? Um, and then it's been digesting ever since then. I mean, it went from 113 in, in late January all the way down to 38 in May. Ouch, right? But it has since recovered the 200-day moving average again. And if you notice on the chart, Joe, both the red line, the 50-day moving average, the 21-day moving average, and the 200-day moving average are now all tilting in the right direction. They're all tilting up. And if you look at that big day we had early, uh, probably like June 6th, June 7th, something like that, big up day, big volume, the volume on the sell days, the last few sell days has been pretty low. So I think that the energy is tilted toward upside in this stock, and I would be a buyer actually anywhere in here. Uh, so 50, so six, a little bit below, below 60, if I can get 60 or a little bit below, I'd be a buyer. Revenue was up 44% year over year in the quarter ending April to 535 million. They still lose money, um, you know, and that's not too surprising, I suppose, for an e-commerce oriented business. You know, they've got all sorts of shipping costs and other things, and they're probably pretty aggressive on their pricing, Joe, just to try and make sure that, 
you know, enough people want to stick around and they can reach that, um, that magic, you know, point of, of, of break in leverage their revenue against their fixed costs, et cetera. But yeah, I like this setup, Joe. Um, I don't know if you've ever gotten the stitch fix. I was talking to a family member the other day, they get it and they like it and yeah, they return some of the stuff, but other things they do indeed keep and buy. So listeners, if you're a stitch fix member and you have any opinions on the service, love to get those in the comments below. Yeah, I've never never used it myself, but I've I've heard some good things. I've also heard some bad things. One of the things I've heard with a lot of those uh, subscription boxes, we were talking a little bit on Discord this week about BarkBox, which might be going public soon, I've heard. Yeah, it's public now. It came via a SPAC. Oh, um, when did VA. that happen? That's, so this is a bonus <laughs> stock, people. A bonus stock. My goodness. Bonus stock. Bonus stock. Original, <laughs> so original Bark, Bark company. company. All right. Um, under the, the Bark brand. Yeah, Bark so the, the point is with a lot of these subscription boxes, and my God, there are a lot of them now. Uh, what I what I hear is that you get the first one and you open it up and you're they they really try to wow you to to keep you coming back for the second one. And then they start to get a little bit disappointing, whether the, the clothes inside are just kind of bland or they're from, you know, like Stitch Fix, for example, like they're, they just start giving you like, you know, stuff from Nike and Under Armour and the North Face that you could go and buy at Walmart. Um, so I've, I've heard, I've heard both sides of that story. Uh, BarkBox is an interesting one. Um, we my my family is we we have a dog and we've we've gotten the bark boxes before and you know it's kind of it's kind of silly it's kind of whimsical but the stuff that's in there is really good quality like here there are there are bad quality toys that are the kind that you know our our boy downstairs will shred up in a matter of minutes and then there are the good toys that stick around for years and they tend to have the ones that stick around for years in those boxes. So that's something yeah. I like to keep an eye on with those subscription companies. And I, I would suggest that you all do the same because it's one of those things you don't really want to be personally, I don't want to be investing in a company that's selling, that's selling crappy stuff, right? Yeah, it's got to be quality. And like you said, it's got to continue to wow. So listeners, if you have opinions on either BarkBox or Stitch Fix, please share them in the comments for us so we can get a better feel from social sentiment on what people's opinions are on these. Just looking at the Bark, uh, Bark original Bark company, BarkBox, revenue up in the March quarter looks like it grew 79% year over year. This is a SPAC though, and I'm not sure whether or not my system is actually updating with the correct information. So take it with a grain of salt. Uh, that being said, looks like a 1.8 billion market cap, which is not crazy considering they did 112 million in revenue. That's like almost a 500 million run, revenue run rate uh, in that March quarter. Again, I would double check those numbers only because um, with the SPACs, the new issues and the IPOs, uh, sometimes it takes a little bit for these systems that we use to, to populate with the right information. All right, pivoting a little bit. Uh, next one is 1-800-Flowers. FLWS is the symbol there. So this, this screens high for us. And what's interesting, Joe, is it usually screens high for us seasonally uh, around the February time period. I would think so, yeah. Makes sense. And then it screens well for us again in the Mother's Day time period, which is kind of, you know, uh, only a few weeks ago. So I mean, it, it's 
I, I certainly see that as a, as, as a potential tailwind for it. Um, and I do recognize there is some seasonality to it. So I was a little bit, maybe I shouldn't mention this one because, you know, I don't want to get too late in that seasonal cycle for it. But I am going to mention it. I decided to mention it because, again, we have the setup that I like where you get that breakout to the pivot point and then you retreat. But the volume on the retreat is really low. So my feeling is that it might be worth taking a stab at it at the 21 day moving average, which is the green light on my chart which is probably around 33-ish, $34 per share, something like that. Uh, revenue was up 70%, Joe, in Q1, year over year uh, for 1-800-Flowers. And um, in 2022, looks like 8% EPS growth is forecasted. So FLWS is the symbol there. Next one, Joe, is one that uh, may or may not already be in your portfolio. It's in a lot of people's portfolios. Amazon.com, A-M-Z-N, if you're not aware of the symbol yet. What a beast the stock has absolutely been over the last 20 years. And Joe, we have built a huge, huge channel or base. And theoretically, I mean, they, the, the old Wall Street saying is the bigger the base, the higher into space. <laughs> right. So we will see. But this reminds me a lot of the setup that we had in an NVIDIA not that long ago, where you had this big base and it tried to rally above it. And then it, it came back down to the bottom of the channel again. And then boom, uh, it broke out to the upside. And, and obviously, it's been a really big winner over the course of the last month or so ago. I think one of the reasons I want to bring this up, Joe, is because they have a very important day coming up. Yes. Prime Day. Prime Day which is their kind of own Cyber Monday that they put in June to kind of counteract what I guess are slower sales in the summer. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know a ton about it. I remember going on to Amazon last year and looking at the deals and saying to myself, this is not really all that exciting. But I know they, they tried up their game every year. And so I'll take a look again and I probably won't buy anything, but hey, that's just me. Well, you and I were doing a little math before the show. And while you didn't buy anything, and I honestly can't remember if I did or not, I buy so much stuff on Amazon every week. Right. I mean, you, know, you don't even need to have a prime day. It's basically now so easy to buy stuff on Amazon. I'm in there every week. But last year, Joe, they did about $10 billion in revenue. And you and I were just trying to do the math on it. We're like, okay, well, they do about $110 billion per quarter. And a quarter has about 90 days in it. So that's a little over, a, you know. Uh, a little over a billion a day. A day. And they did 10 billion over the two day period last year and projections are for them to smash that number. So I, I, I don't know. I think there's, a, it, it does kind of like with Apple does it's, you know, releases of new devices. There is this follow through that you tend to get of excitement that translates to upside for the stock. Yep. So I'm looking at this chart, Joe, and I see again, coming up at the top of that, it's gonna test that April high of 35.54. So 3,554. Uh, remember, you can, most investors can buy fractional shares. So Thank goodness. So scared <laughs> off by the fact that that's a $3,554 print. Um, you'll see we're coming back up on that, Joe. You can see here as we're bouncing around the 200-day moving average, the sell day volume was really far below average. 
Uh, there was one day where it touched it, but otherwise not much going on as far as get me out of the stock. And then sure enough, as we've accelerated back up the right-hand side of this cup, we've got volume that's above average on the buy days. So this is a good setup. And I think it has a very good shot of taking out this, the top end of this channel, that 3,500 area. Uh, and if so, um, we could see an extended run in this thing. So if you don't own Amazon yet, and you've been looking for an opportunity maybe to add it to the portfolio, perhaps looking for a down day at some point here over the coming weeks would be uh, wise. So that's, that's another one from the smattering list today. Uh, over to J2 Global, JCOM, J-C-O-M is the next symbol I wanted to show. And uh, Joe, there's a couple things that jump right out to me on this chart. And you know, you've heard me go through this so many times when we do our weekly smattering. Uh, what do you think I'm gonna say? Um, well, I, I noticed a couple of things. I noticed the that little cup with handle set up there not terribly long ago. We're a little past it now. It's not the not the greatest looking cup with handle I've ever seen, but it's that's pretty good. The the thing that really stands out to me is just how consistently this stock has traded above its averages. Yeah, it's, I, I, is it's, that is that what you were is that what you it, were thinking it's of? It's one well? of them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you look at one of the things with great stocks is they tend to hug that twenty-one day moving average. Yep. And you can see that since last November, when it first really spiked and broke out, every time it's pulled back, it's gone underneath it a little bit, but not dramatically, and it's recovered it. And then it's it, so it's either undercut it slightly, but not horribly and then rally back above it and continue to march higher. The other thing I just wanted to highlight, Joe, is just this buy day volume. I mean, we got like, if you yeah. look at the last five days, we've got two huge, mungus <laughs> buy volume days, no energy on the sell days really in the past two weeks. And really you could go all the way back, I think to mid April with this 5.3 million volume up day and say, yeah, someone has been in there regularly accumulating and adding shares. This isn't, this isn't a grandma individual investor <laughs> buying. This is a, an institution who's regularly coming in here and spiking and bidding it up. 20% uh, year over year growth to 398 million in the March quarter, 8% growth in EPS in 2022 to $10.18. So it's actually, you know, it's not horribly expensive. I mean, it's trading about 13 times 2022 earnings. Um, and, you know, so I, this, I think this is a really interesting stock. And I, I think if you get a down day, again, anywhere in that three to 5% down day, go ahead and take a swing at and see what happens. Next up, PROS or PROS Holdings Inc. Uh, this also falls into the technology camp for us. Listeners, Provides symbol there is PRO without P the S, just oh, yeah. to know. Good point. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, PRO is the symbol. So the company is PROS, which is pros, holdings, and then the symbol PRO. Hope Pricing and margin confused. optimization software for manufacturing, distribution, services, and travel industries. So again, if you're going to be spending money on shipping, if you're going to be spending money on business travel if, or you know whatever, you're probably going to want to do it intelligently. And this company has, you know, tools that help you spend less money in doing the things that you need to do to manage your manage your business. The um, it's high scoring in our research, free trial below. Uh, it's high scoring in our research. 
Um, revenue, really not that exciting, down 7% year over year to 61 million. But again, you're, you are talking about COVID headwinds over the past you know, year that may have impacted demand for its services. And this could be one of those scenarios, uh, one of these stocks that as business starts to get back to business as usual, we start to see a return of that earnings growth. So PRO is a symbol that I think you should add to your watch list. Workiva, symbol there is WK, Workiva Inc. Develops software that enables enterprises to collaboratively collect and manage, and then it drops off at the end of the description, but it's billing. It basically helps you uh, manage, let's see, let's go to their website. Simplifies complex work. <laughs> Isn't that a Brings SaaS together website everything ever? You need. Teammates, data sets, data sources. Yeah, okay, get more done with everyone. Um, truth and truth data. This is the one, yes, yeah, so this is telling me not a heck of a lot of <laughs> software Classic. stuff, but I do see this as being really interesting. So SEC reporting. Okay, so now what this company does is it helps automate your regulatory uh, relationships. So it helps you with your accounting and your um, SEC filing and you're communicating with your shareholders if you're uh, an asset manager. So that makes sense. The market's been really big. There's a lot of money that's flowing into the markets. You've got a lot of companies that are IPOing, a lot more filings that have to be made with the SEC. And this helps to simplify that whole process. Revenue up 21% year over year in the March quarter to 104 million. This company is profitable, expected to earn two cents next year. So not greatly profitable, but profitable nonetheless. And you're forming this big, big saucer, right? Or cup. You've got a prior high back in February around 115, uh, fell back to about 80 and now re-exerting and climbing up the right side. So Workiva symbol WK. Next up is Bill. This is the one that helps you with managing your invoices. Bill.com Holdings, cloud-based software simplifying and automatic back office financials. Revenue up 45% year over year to just shy of 60 million in the March quarter. Losing money still, um, so we are aware of that. But uh, again, a lot of these companies that make life easier, so business to business, managing kind of like these paper trails and file cabinets moving from one desk to another, um, a lot of these you know kind of software solutions providers are re-exerting. And this is one that, that caught my eye. Um, greater volume on the up days, not a lot of energy to sell, low volume on the down days. The last three, Joe, are going to be names that are gonna be more familiar to people. First up, Microsoft. So kind of in the same camp, not as big, not as long of a base, if you will, but it has been forming multiple channels. And, you know, Microsoft, 19% revenue growth in the first quarter, year over year, growing its top, uh, top line and its bottom line grew 35%, uh, expected to grow 35% in 2021. And this is a company that's got its fingers in all the right spots, Joe, right? I mean, it's got the gaming aspect with huge Xbox. gaming arm that is rapidly growing yeah yeah it's got the um it's got the cloud data services so you know all these businesses that are moving to the cloud have to store their information somewhere and microsoft is one of the bigger ones that provides those services it's got the business office software suite right and office 365 creating that nice recurring revenue stream 
So, you know, Microsoft is definitely a stock that I've, I've had in my portfolio. It's one of my forever stocks. I, I believe it's a, a good core holding to have to get you, you know, the gaming and the business and the personal e exposure. So I, I think that this stock set up, say 263 was the prior high in April. If we, and we're at 261 now, if we can close above that 263.20, I'd buy it the next day if it comes down. So if it falls the day after it breaks out, I would buy it. In the same vein as Amazon, Shopify. Uh, Shopify has been an absolute beast the last two weeks. You know, hell is 200 day moving average. It violated very, very briefly, both in March and May. Recover, that's why I don't, you know, technicals influence my buys and my sells, but we don't start punishing in our scores until the stock is trading 5% or more below the 200 day moving average. So picture like a banjo around, uh, not like a banjo <laughs> like you'd play, but a band that goes along each side of the 200 day moving average. And then consider in between there to be kind of like this noisy period where you don't want to make any stupid decisions. Uh, you want to wait for it to either explode upward again or break down. And in this case, it exploded higher again. So again, sort of, sort of similar to what we've seen in some of these other charts. Prior high in February was about 1,500. Looks like we're going to challenge that 1,500. If it breaks out above 1,500 and then pulls back, that's when I would be looking to buy that one. And then finally, Atlassian Corp. Simple there is T-E-A-M. And they do collaboration software with an IT focus. So if you're talking about IT projects, um, you know, a lot of people rely on their different platforms to be able to coordinate their activities, especially since so many IT professionals work in very different places. Some people may be in India and other people may be over in Asia and some people may be in Latin America and other people here in the US. And, you know, a similar, similar setup. I mean, we do have a W bottom and then we have a double bottom in this one, but you could also say that this is a big saucer. And the only thing that's probably a little bit different about this one is it has already broken out above its February high, where the other ones that we were looking at are challenging those February highs. This one, as of today, is trading at 267, and the February high was 262. Revenue was up 38% year over year in the March quarter, and it looks like we could get double-digit EPS growth this year, and high single digit EPS growth next year. So where I was saying before, Joe, with kind of those ones that were flirting with breaking out over that prior high, and I wanted to wait for a down day, this is now maybe one step more advanced with that where I would say, okay, it broke out, right? So now I am going to be watching for that down day. I happen to already own it, I'm long it, so I'm not gonna be buying more of it. But if I didn't own it, I'd be now looking to see if it pulls back towards that two, low 260 area uh, and just grab it on a down day and see what happens. Yeah, so, if, if, history, if history tells us anything, that very well might happen on Monday. Mondays are usually the weakest day of the week. Don't sell on a Monday is, um, is savvy advice that you know, Stock Traders Almanac has talked about in the past. Um, so yeah, if you get a down day on Monday, put that to your advantage and, and think about picking up some Atlassian shares. All right. Is that, is that 11? I haven't really been counting. I know, I know, right? I try, I'm trying to keep it somewhere around that 10 mark. Some weeks will be a little bit lower. 
you know, and some weeks might be a little bit higher, but yeah, that was 11 for today. And All plus right. the bonus, awesome. right? We threw the plus bonus. The bonus so it's actually 12 if you, if you throw in, <laughs> yeah, if you throw in bark. Um, yeah. So that's, that's all we've that's all we've got for you um yeah with with that i think we'll wrap it up any final words todd no stay safe out there yeah stay safe everybody uh have a everyone have a fathers out there have a happy father's day especially to you todd thank you very much yes and we'll talk to you all next week